Good morning. So happy that you're here. I think you have to be here, right? Is that right? Okay. All right. No, I uh, share the sentiment with you. I went to Liberty University in my undergrad, and um, it was a joy to be there on campus and to do similar things that you probably do, like go to chapels throughout the week. And although you may have to be here, uh, I believe sincerely that the Lord has you here, as I break stuff, sorry, sorry, Joel, um, has you here for a very unique, good reason, for his good purpose. And so, although you may share that tension of you get to be here, you need to be here, the Lord has you here for a great purpose. So this morning, we're going to dive into a piece of the fruit of the Spirit. And I know we're just starting this series, and I'm jumping into patience, which is part of a fruit that you'll probably grow to learn over time. Uh, but if you didn't know, in Galatians 5, we begin to see these characteristics, these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, where we're going to stop today. But more than just your salvation, God's concerned about your transformation in Him. Uh, the acts of salvation isn't just for us to one day be with Him and live life like normal or like we want to today, but yet be transformed for today and tomorrow to live life here and now, transformed in the newness of Him that yet we are yet to see in fullness of glory with Him to come in eternity. And so today we get to see this unique piece of patience that I'm excited to dig in a little bit deeper with you today as we see in James, these two perspectives of where we can as people grow in patience together. So I, I need to personally pray with you because my prayer for you was that today the Lord would deliver whatever he would need for you to grow in the way of patience and this characteristic of godliness in your every day. And so can I pray with you before we dive deeper? Is that all right? Cool. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for these students. I am so grateful uh, to be walking down this journey with them on growing uh, and more characteristic likeness of you. But this gift, this fruit of the Spirit, which you give us, God, may we take heart that it is to be transformed in likeness of you. So when we look at patience today, God, may you uh, draw near, may you humble our hearts, may you open our ears and open our eyes to see in the way in which we can grow to live more like you, patiently, uh, not only in our every day, but in our every moment. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we have been in Dubuque for about two years now, and my wife actually went to undergrad here, graduated from Emmaus, and then she went off to Liberty University for her grad work. And so I thank Emmaus often for sending her out there by any means, because I probably wouldn't have met her if she didn't have her time at Emmaus and then beyond at Liberty. But just thinking of that and thinking of driving from Iowa to Virginia and beyond, you can think of patience in the way of traffic, right? If we're really quick to think of patience, we think of driving. Because naturally, even around Dubuque, or even on long road trips, you find yourself faced with the requirement to have patience. For who? Those in other cars around you, right? Maybe even those in the car with you, am I right? You know, there's only so many burritos your friend can eat before it smells just too bad. You know, there's only so many songs that they can repeat before it just sounds just that terrible. You need to grow in the way of patience by the way you drive in your everyday. Years ago, we lived in Chicagoland, and I don't know if you've ever lived or been around Chicago. We lived on a northwest suburb, and so the traffic wasn't as crazy as downtown, but it was just crazy enough that required deep, deep patience. Because at any given light, you would line up, 
in a line of a hundred and plus cars and wait for this light. And there was honking and moving and interjecting and cutting. There was patience required just to be in the moment. But yet it also helps you realize your lack for it, your lack for patience, your desire to be impatient, your flesh to say, I must be more important than this to wait. My time must be more important of that of someone around me. The lack of patience really shows up. And naturally, we live in a time that almost cultivates this reality of impatience, if you think about it. Just naturally, we can throw uh, Amazon Prime on the table, right? That cultivates a lack of impatience in us. If we can't get it instantly, we must get it within two days, you know? If we can't get it in two days, ah, oh, I'm impatient. I need it today, tomorrow, or the next day. I cannot wait. Or maybe even our phones and technology. You think of Apple, for example. You may have an iPhone. They somehow get away with releasing a new phone that's barely faster. But it is just fast enough because they know we lack patience, and so our apps must load even faster. And by that tool alone, they put other companies out of business or behind the times because they just get it done a little bit faster. And they know they're fueling a flesh that is impatient. They're fueling a people that lack patience. And even right now, you're wondering, and maybe some of your lack of patience, is this guy Ross going to wrap this up soon? Because maybe you're lacking patience too. See, the reality is we cannot go too far to recognize we have a problem with patience. It's not just me. It's not just the person next to you. It's you. It's everyone. But yet, if we allow the culture to show us our lack of impatience, we think of technology and Amazon Prime. Sure, there's lack of impatience in those areas. Very quickly so, we want to begin to treat our relationships the same. And that is where the buck stops. We must grow in the way we walk patiently with the Lord and patiently with each other. And here in James, we see this beautiful display of James walking us through this reality. And my prayer uh, for us together today is that we would grow to understand patience and how we might practice it with God in our everyday, but in, then also with each other. So what is patience? Let's define it together. Patience simply is the ability to face trouble or hardship without blowing up or giving in. That's simply what patience is. And patience is certainly required in our time of hardships. If we think when it comes to uh, the areas of our life and the patience we have with God and his timing and then our friendships around us, we see these two areas. When we are patient, we then tend to honor God and honor our friendships and those relationships. But yet when we lack patience, we tend to disregard God and disregard those people around us. And so there's this clear uh, contrasting reality that when we lack patience, we, we tend to disregard. But when we're full of patience, we tend to bring honor and waiting, honor in being, honor and unique sitting and just living and waiting. And maybe you even think realistically when you might have been impatient with God. And you think, how can I be impatient with God? Well, sometimes we may sit in reality that our life must not be moving at the pace in which we want it. The things must not be coming in the ways in which we think we need them. Or God, we demand them. And yet that's when you're recognizing you're impatient with God. Maybe even you think of a time when you're impatient with friends. And I know we said some funny ones. 
But maybe such as an example as, as your roommate or your hallmate or someone in which drives you nuts and all it takes in you is just anything but love and care. You just impatiently run and flee and push off and disregard. We are, we, are, we are likely impatient with some close friends, my friends, and I know that breaks the heart of God. And so in every person, patience must be practiced in a way that is fruitful, both between us and God and the relationships around us. Practicing patience is important. And yet so much so that a fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of God's Spirit within us, dwelling among us, a godly characteristic would be of his people, patience, and how might we grow in it? Let's jump into James 5. We're going to look at James 5, the, the verses 7 through 11. And um, as we go through, we're going to see these kind of two highlighting points that I, I'm prayerful that you can walk away in a better way to practice patience in your everyday. Uh, and so as we, can, as we go on, I'm going to kind of reread uh, pieces of the passage as we move forward. So read along with me if you have your Bible uh, or just listen. And then we're going to highlight some areas. So let's go to James 5. Verse 7, James started by saying this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient until the Lord comes. And the reality of this Lord's coming, we hear this quite often throughout Scripture. In this instance, be patient until he does. It's the reality that the Lord will return. The reality is true. It is to come, and we are patiently waiting until that point. But yet ever so presently, James is calling us to stand firm in patience in our every moment to come before he fully returns. And James not only stops at that truth there, he gives us a great example by way of a farmer. Do we have any farmers in the room? You grew up on farmland, Iowa? Okay, I need to apologize real quick. I'm gonna botch this, all right? Your whole reality of living. But here's how I kind of understand farming, okay? You ready? Farmers, what they have is this unique gift that they, that what they do is they prepare, they plant, they wait, then they harvest. But if you've ever met a farmer who was one before, currently one is now, they have this innate patience about them. They are just this exuding personality that what they do for a living requires patience to the very T that they just exude it in their personality. Maybe so much so that they have so much patience, you lack patience for that. You know, you're like, come on, can you pick it up? Or can we do something? Can you not wait around? Well, you know, we'll figure this out. It's like, they're just so patient. Well, their profession requires patience in, in what way? They prepare, they plant, and then in planting, they must wait. Why? Who controls the winds and the rain? Not farmers. God certainly does. Who controls the weather or the outcome? Not farmers. God certainly does. They're required to wait on the wind and the rain and the seasons to change in order for their crop to go so they may have harvest. And yet they must patiently wait to see it come full. Farmers have this innate, so hopefully that defines you a bit well, farmers. I love you. I think you're very gifted in your craft, and you have much more patience built in to your profession than me. I think that's so beautiful. But farmers can't control the circumstances. Only God can. And so we see this beauty 
of perspective in farmers. And so point number one, if you're a note taker or a mental note taker is this, we must grow in better practicing patience by shifting our perspective. That in the every day we live before us and God in our every moment as we walk through life, we get opportunity to shift our perspective and understanding that the circumstances that may come in our every day, we may not control. We cannot control, but yet God controls. And as we walk with him, as we trust him, as we see ourselves in unique opportunities or times in college land that you're in, we must trust that God is in control and we can fervently, patiently wait and stand firm in waiting. And of course, until his glory to come, but in his trial, in the trial to be, in the hardship that is. In the wrestling of, I feel you, college students, you're discovering you, what you want to do for a living, who you might want to marry or love, who God's bringing into your life and taking out of your life. There's so much change. And remember, patience required when change is there. And so as we walk through life and trusting in a God who holds it all, we must shift our perspective often, knowing that he is the one who is patiently preparing us, patiently loving us, patiently leading us as a God with that very characteristic. We can then turn and say, God, I trust you in this season of waiting for whatever waiting you're waiting on. Maybe timing or profession or relationship or friendship. Friendship relationship's kind of similar, but you get what I'm saying, like that relationship, ooh, yeah, I love you. And then the friendship, like, I love you too, but you're my friend, you know? Yeah. We must shift our perspective. We can say things like, Father, I know you're near and you see. And like a farmer, you haven't called me to be directly. I can be like in waiting. I can be like in patience with my relationship with you. How you're ever so patient with me. See, the patience in a farmer is for the long-term effect of the harvest to come. A farmer's perspective is not for the every second moment. They don't plant today and then they're like impatient for the next day. They know it's a long-term patience that they're enduring for a seasons of farming. For us in our life, when we hear the Lord's coming is near, his coming is soon, so stand firm, be patient. We know that our patience is a long endurance, is a time over even hardships, struggles, even in persecution, even when things don't go our way, and maybe it's good that it doesn't. We must be patient and shift our perspective before the Lord and stand firm in that. We continue in verse nine. James says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Point number two, if you're a note taker today, let go of the grumble. And we think of um, patience very clearly in the way of grumbling and James here, grumbling against one another, brother and sister, you could think of in this room. Grumbling, though, like, what's the big deal? Well, first, what is it? It's complaining about something in a bad-tempered way. And I think we all understand, oh, we've done that before. <laughs> or maybe we're currently, presently, grumbling about something going on. But James doesn't just stop there. He says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He brings this intensity, this reality to not only you will be judged, but the judge is standing at the very door 
of your grumbling. So what is the big deal of grumbling? See, grumbling against one another is deeper than what you might think of just this bad-hearted attitude towards your friend or hallmate or roommate or whatever, whoever that's in context with you. It's deeper than that. If you think about grumbling, what it does is truly the depth of it, the source of it, is that we've lost patience with that person. That, that so deeply we, we are writing them off for whatever they've done or haven't done or we perceive them to do. We have deeply to the core lost patience when we found ourselves in grumbling. James knows this. There's true reality in even his time that grumbling would be the root cause, a lack of patience for a person. And so oftentimes when we think about this, we need to take that perspective to heart. That when we complain in a bad-tempered way towards one another about someone else around us, it's because we've deeply lost patience for that person. We've deeply, uh, uh, in our heart, maybe even cut them off. Maybe in our, in our practice, even torn them away because of the lack of patience. But oftentimes in our grumbling, if you think of, we stumble into the next G word, and it's gossip. See, where grumbling and gossip exists is in a reality of continuous change. And that's why in high school, middle school, college, in younger years, even older at times too, where change is every day, change comes so rapidly, change comes, comes just like it's become so normal to you, grumbling and, and gossip tend to exist. Because the, de- the depth of it is we've lost patience. Grumbling and gossip may happen through change. And the big deal is that grumbling and gossip shows your lack of patience for someone, for a person in which you are falling into grumble and gossip about. And so maybe, actually maybe, we need to just stop there for a second. Maybe you need to consider a moment of recent that you've tend to grumble and gossip about someone in this room who's around you. And I know you just feel this tense because they might be sitting next to you and they don't know. I know it might feel tense because they're right in front of you and they still don't know. Sadly, I know it might feel tense because they're next to you and they know it. That they're in front of you and they've seen it. And my friends, if you were to engage to be transformed in the way in which you are to put off grumbling and gossip, take up patience with that person, you would be uniquely, radically different than what the culture expects. You would be different in the way God has called you. And so maybe you need to take mental note because a physical note might be a little awkward writing somebody's name, okay? But, but you could do it too. You could do that too a mental note of someone you need to step aside today and apologize for a moment you lack patience. Maybe even you're unsure if it truly was lacking patience or if you really gossip, but even the question to be, you need to reconcile and walk away here and say, can I talk to you about what I think is a lack of patience for you and say, sorry, I wanna be different. I wanna be like God. I want to be like he's called me to be, like he's gifted me to be, so can I repair this? Nine times out of ten, I say that because I don't know the scenarios, it's going to be extremely hard 
to do that, but rewarding as well. Because that unique uh, confession of sin, um, reconciliation of relationship, is beautiful and good. It's what God desires. So maybe today you need to take an action in that. I did not have that in my notes, so I leave that to you. Um, and let's continue, hopefully, to finish. Joel, I promise we're going to be done by 11, okay? I promise you. All right. Let's continue. We're going to go through in verse 10. It says this, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count it as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And James continues after grumbling and gossip between one another, then with this magnificent great example in the person of Job. Maybe you, uh, is there a Job class at Emmaus that you take a, a class just on the book of Job? No? Okay. Maybe a, a class where you take it on Job and some other books? You kind of, yeah, okay, you kind of hit it. Yeah, great. We at Liberty, we, I don't know why I signed up for it. It was a grueling 16 weeks of study. It was a class solely on Job. And so you're like walking through word for word what's going on here. And it's a lot. You know, if you've read Job, even a few sentences, you realize, wow, that is tough. You know, that's, that's, that's real serious stuff. But if you don't know, you can find Job's story in the book of Job in the Bible. And essentially, God grants Satan this limited power uh, to afflict this persecution on Job. Job then, uh, he loses his family, loses everything essentially in, in, in a concise way. Um, and finds himself still, still being uh, fervently prayerful, um, walking towards God, uh, honoring him and praising him like God knew he would, and Satan, of course, trying to damage. And in all this, he trusted God regardless of the circumstances he faced in his life, the hardship he faced, the persecution he faced in his life. Uh, this example shows us in two of these ways we understood through the passage so far, this magnificent example in the life of Job of what patience can be like. Job in his life in persecution and hardship practiced patience with God by obediently following, surrendering to him, even though he had great affliction and loss in his life. See, he patiently shifted his perspective and said, God, I trust you even when this is extremely hard and I've lost everything. And even so much so, I have things on me, boils, all these things that are afflicting me physically. But yet also, Job stepped into not grumbling and gossiping about his reality. Even so much so that his friends would come up to him and almost in a way grumble and gossip, like just curse God and die, what's going on? You must be in sin, let's just figure this out. Job's like, no, I know, I, I am seeking after God, I know it must not be that. I am patiently waiting for whatever good could come of this circumstance. My, my perspective's different. In the middle of the season, like a farmer, Job didn't know the outcome. But yet he faithfully had a perspective, faithfully walked without grumbling or gossip into a reality of knowing that God's perspective is greater. And by it, James is able to say this example of God's goodness, this example of patience can be found in who? Job. That, that you and I may learn from the life of who? Job. By the way, he was patient. We reflect and see that God has compassion and mercy even in the midst of terrible pain and heartache. And although we live in a broken world that is yet to be fully restored by his goodness, by his grace, he still has a way of transforming us in greater patience. 
And as we close this morning for a minute, we think of the fuel, like, like the, the desire to practice patience. Where does that come from? And very clearly, we could say, well, it comes from my want to just to do it. Yeah, it comes just because I want to. But if we think of it real sincerely, the way in which we can practice patience and be fueled to do so is maybe by taking a moment and reflecting on how God has been patient with us, with me and you. That if we look at 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That me and you, my friends, are this wonderful masterpiece created by God, yet he patiently walks with. He patiently holds in his hand and molds to be these persons of his likeness. He patiently works with, patiently sits near. And maybe the, 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 the motivation we must look towards isn't so much trying harder, because just trying harder will not work. We must be transformed in knowing that we have a patient God with us. And by that patience, I'm able to patiently walk with others. So if you find yourself on the edge of losing patience today or even this week, you may search for a new perspective. Say something like, God, I'm losing patience for this person in my life. Please give me the patience I need to walk with them like you do. You may say, God, I'm losing patience for this season of my life. Would you please give me the perspective to see what you see or even the glimpse to see what you will do or what you're doing? But I have confidence that you are doing it. See, patience takes steps of active, active obedience, of practice, certainly so, but takes and requires transformation of your everyday.